Hi and welcome to episode 25 of the This Is Reportage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I'm the founder of This Is Reportage and I'm a wedding photographer too. Today I'm really excited to have the fab Steve Gerrard with us. Steve is a photographer who I've loved for a long time. His workshop was actually the first one I ever went on uh, quite a few years ago. So it's fab to have him on here. He's also a real muso, having been a really successful DJ himself and playing at gigs all over the world and photographing bands all over the world as well. So his episode has a bit of a music theme, as, as you'll hear. But it's our usual mix as well of photography and life. Um, yeah, so I hope you enjoy it. Stick with us as Steve talks about the relocation of his entire business and life from England to Canada, the time he went record shopping with Guns N' Roses, some SEO nuggets of advice, how his music photography influenced the way he shoots weddings, outsourcing, how a specific song massively impacted his life and much more. Hey Steve, how you doing? Hello mate, I am very well, thank you. Greetings from the other side of the Atlantic. Yeah, you're miles away. How is it over there? Because you're in Canada, aren't you? I'm in Montreal, just outside of Montreal. Um, obviously, I'm not from here. I'm from England. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, all over the world, it's all a bit weird at the moment. But um, Canada's not not too bad. And where we are, we live a little bit out of town. So, uh, and we have a nice big garden, so we get to at least be outside and enjoying some space in amongst all this. The snow's almost melted. We still had a little bit of snow this week. Oh, really? Um, is it how cold is it then? It's well, it, I mean, it goes down to like minus thirty, but <laughs> that's set Celsius. Um, <laughs> but at the mo- at the moment, it's kind of plus figures. And it'll, it'll start going up pretty quick, and then in the summer, it gets super hot. So uh, okay, because yeah, it's it's gorgeous in England at the moment. Man. My kids are out in the paddling pool at the moment. It's lush. Oh right, really? Wow. Yeah, but I've seen photos though of on your Facebook that you have some kind of you have like a swimming pool, don't you, in your garden? Yeah, we we do have a pool, and there's nobody's going in that yet because it's still frozen. <laughs> are you? Do you? Can you ice uh, ice skate on it? uh no that i think that would it's not big enough for that really but um it might still be a little bit dangerous although i I think the ice gets pretty thick in the winter but my dog um does like to run around on the pool when it's frozen she'll just go in there and run around in circles (laughs) which is very cute (laughs) what kind of dog you got just a little terrier yeah did you bring her over from england no, we got her, we got her about about three four years ago. Uh, like I've been in Montreal just over five years now, and we got her just after we got this house, so about four years ago. Uh, okay, cool, nice, nice. So I've got yeah. to start with the, the question. I think that's going to be in everybody's lips, though, really. So, um, you know, how did you go from being one of England's all-time best footballers to wedding photographer? Alan, please. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I was like, is he going to ask a football question? No, surely not Alan. Alan wouldn't do that. I have to do and, it. <laughs> and you did. Um, so you're not yeah. that Steve Gerrard, are you? <laughs> um, no, I'm not that Steve Gerrard because um, I, w- I would probably have a lot, uh, a better car, um, <laughs> better, a better hi-fi system, maybe a bigger house. Um, I'm probably a bigger swimming pool if I was that, <laughs> if I was that Steve Gerrard. But it's it's weird because when I moved to Canada, I thought that the Stephen Gerrard kind of comments would die off, and they have to an extent. But I still get them all the time. And in fact, yeah, yeah. the last thing, the last comment that I got on Twitter, which was today, it is somebody who thinks I'm him. 
<laughs> so it's it's just a constant a constant thing and and there'll be people listening to this podcast that maybe don't even know who Steven Gerrard is and uh and yeah but for me it's it's a constant battle but it's fine it's fine and, you... and Steven Gerrard the footballer has got a brother called Paul Gerrard and so have I and it's actually no. my brother's uh, birthday tomorrow really oh well happy birthday to your brother tomorrow that's a freaky coincidence though yeah it's and we're both from the same part of the world because i'm from chester which is not far from liverpool and i think mm. he's kind of like from from the northwest up there somewhere so anyway but I, what, what i always say to people especially if they mention at a wedding i was just like unlike steven gerard the footballer every time i shoot i score oh nice <laughs> That is a good one. You should have that as a tagline on your website. <laughs> you don't even like football, though, do you? Um, I'm not really. I don't really watch sports at all, to be honest. Um, I saw that. On, I recently saw a list of things that you don't like, and you said watching sports. One of the things on your list, though, was also sleep. You don't like sleep. No, I. It's not. I mean, obviously, you need to sleep, otherwise, you're going to die. But. Um, <laughs> And I, and I don't like feel, feeling tired, so I, think, I, I understand how that all works. But I just find, like, like, every time I have to go to sleep, I'm just like, there's so, so many other things that I'd rather be doing than going to sleep and being unconscious for eight hours. Oh, really? I just, think, yeah. I just love sleeping, man. Love it. So me and Oni, like, we, we go to bed at, like, half nine, you know, asleep. Yeah, not much later than that. <laughs> but, but, yeah, we, we, we get loads of sleep, man. I love it. I just thought I would describe it as a daily inconvenience to me doing what I really want to do. And what is that? What do you love to do? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> do you want a list? No. I mean, for, for pleasure, when I'm, when I'm not working, when I haven't got editing to do or, or just, you know, cooking the family meal or something that just needs to be done. If I have proper Steve time, then it probably involves firstly listening to music and properly listening to music not just having it on while i'm doing other things right. and what does that mean like sitting down with headphones listening to music or well sometimes it's headphones it depends what the kids are doing mm. um but i prefer to just sit down and listen to it through a good set of speakers and switch all the lights off and just pour myself a drink and enjoy that moment that's for as long as long as I can get away with it, and I also and I also love movies. And I was talking to Evelyn about my wife, my wife Evelyn, um, about this last night. I was just like, I, I love movies, and I don't feel like I get to watch as many movies as I would like because there's just so much other stuff going on in life. But when I do get to sit down and watch watch a good movie, then that's I, I always love that. That's cool. Cool. I'm gonna I'll ask you about both of those later as well. And so. You're obviously you're known massively as a wedding photographer, but also massively as a music fan, as a music photographer, as you touched upon then as well. So we're going to have a bit of a a special theme in your episode here, um, which is a totally original uh, game, which we're going to call Marooned MP3s, where (laughs) I'm going to ask you to choose your your eight songs that you would have with you if you were marooned somewhere, such as a desert island. Um, So, yeah, what what would be your first What's your first piece of music? Okay, so as a music fan, since I was very small, this question is not an easy question to answer. And probably after we've spoken, I'll think of tons of other songs that I would have wanted to include. But 
I have given it some thought, and, and they're kind of in the order that I heard them in, okay. my, in my life. So my first choice is going to be Pretty Vacant by the Sex Pistols. Okay, cool. And why have you chosen that? Because up until I heard Pretty Vacant, I'd heard, a, we just used to listen to the radio a lot, and my mom used to listen to Terry Wogan in the morning on Radio 2, and then this band came out of nowhere, and I'm showing my age a little bit, um, <laughs> the Sex Pistols, and it was unlike anything that I'd heard before. And I started buying pretty much everything that they put out, and but I was still too young to go into town and buy them. I was like probably about seven. Okay. So you can imagine a seven-year-old at home who's been listening to Radio 2 <laughs> and then suddenly becomes a Sex Pistols fan. That's cool. So my mum would go into town, into the record shop, if you remember those, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and buy seven-inch shingles by the Sex Pistols. And the first one that I got was pretty vacant. Um, there was one that she brought home and she, and she took it back to the shop because she thought one of the songs was inappropriate for a seven-year-old. Oh, really? <laughs> um but pretty pretty vacant is still just like such a, a it feels like such a rebellious song and the way that johnny rotten kind of spews the words out and there's like he uses the word vacant and the way he pronounces it is it kind of puts the emphasis on the second part of that word oh that okay sense. i get what you're meaning yeah <laughs> i just see where i'm going but another thing that I loved about that single, when it's just a seven-inch single, which I've still got, it's downstairs, um, the B-side of it was a cover of No Fun by the Stooges, okay. um, which is another, just a brilliant punk song. But when they recorded it for that seven-inch single, they hadn't rehearsed it at all. They just went into the studio and played it live in, um, record it in one, one go and then put it on the B-side of the single. And that is as punk rock as it comes. That is, isn't it? That's proper cool. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, man, so I, think, I think that song and, and that band kind of led on to other things in my musical journey. And it also kind of showed a little bit of the rebellious side of my personality, I think, when I was young. That's cool. Cool. I mean, I, I and I wish now that I could play an excerpt of that song, but just to <laughs> copyright laws, I can't. But if um, you're listening to this, you know, while running or jogging or anything, if you head to the site, thisrepertage.com, I'm, I'm going to include links to all your songs, uh, maybe YouTube videos or at least songs to them on Spotify or whatnot as well. So that so they'll be on there as well. Cool, man. Thanks for that. That's cool. We'll go to yeah. some more a bit later. Um, so still on the music thing, you used to be a DJ and actually the last person we spoke to on the podcast, um, Dave Scholes, uh, <laughs> he, he knew of your your past DJ life and actually being on like a workshop where you were DJing on as well. Um, didn't you meet your now wife from that time as well? How did you go from your DJing life to, to weddings? So, yeah, um, I think I fell into DJing obviously because of my love of music, but it wasn't something that I planned at all. I used to be involved in the club scene and wanted to put on my own club nights, but I could never find DJs that were playing the kind of music that I really wanted to play. So I ended up doing it until I could find a DJ to do that. And then I ended up just being the DJ. Um, what age were you kind of when you were doing doing this? I think it probably started when I was about 20. Okay, cool. Yeah. And this is in Birmingham, um, is this in Birmingham, is it? Or? Yeah, it was in Birmingham. Um, I went to Birmingham to uh, 
to go to university um, and kind of got involved in the club scene, which is why I didn't finish university. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but then, and when I started, I was more of an alternative teacher. I was playing in alternative, like alternative rock clubs, really. Okay. Um, so, and then later on, and some of my music choices will touch on this, I got more into um, different kinds of music, including electronic music and DJ culture. And that took over my life for quite a while. And um, I, I quite quickly got a name for myself in, uh, as a, a house and breakbeat DJ. And um, that's so cool. I got to tour the world. And like you say, I did meet my wife when I was abroad for a DJ gig, I was in Chamonix in the Alps and um, she was there snowboarding. I was there to DJ and, um, and here we are years later in Montreal with three kids. And That's so cool. That's so cool. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> and you got married in a place that I know very well down in Cornwall, didn't you as well? I did. I got married in Cornwall at Polo and Fort, which I think you know better than me, even though <laughs> I got married there. <laughs> I was I think it is a venue I shot at the most, actually. It's a cool Is place. it? Yeah, it is. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's not It's not the best for photographers. It's a bit dark inside. <laughs> it's a bit dark. Yeah. But it was cool. We, we went down to Cornwall because we wanted to... We were living in Birmingham at the time. We wanted to get married away from Birmingham and just somewhere that felt like an escape for everybody that came to the wedding. And um, so we went to Cornwall and we originally had like five venues lined up that we were going to go and see. And Pollen Fort was the first one that we went down to visit. Um, and we didn't go and see any of the others. We just went, to, went there and just loved it, loved the kind of feel of it. We loved the fact we could have our dogs at the wedding. We had two dogs at our wedding. Um, uh, even though it's on a cliff top, not probably not the best choice, but oh, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah. And we had the whole place for to ourselves from Monday to Friday, and had the wedding on the Wednesday, and it was just brilliant. I just I just love that place. Oh, that's cool. It's, have you been back since? No, I haven't. I, I did actually have an inquiry about shooting a wedding there, which felt a bit odd because it wasn't long after we'd got married there. Uh, okay. Um, but then they actually changed venues and ended up getting married in London. So I did, sh I did shoot the wedding, but it was in London. Oh, that's okay. Did, did who shot your wedding? Did you have a? a I think I remember asking you. So, but did you have a friend, or did you get? Did you hire someone? I can't remember. Yeah. So w when we got married, it was actually pretty much the same year that I launched my photography business. Okay. So at that point, like I didn't know that much about photography, and I was kind of a bit skint <laughs> <laughs> yeah in the same year I set, up, I set up my photography business got married twice and had our first kid so wow. um got married twice yeah I got married twice to the same person though <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah because she's from Canada we did the registry office thing and then later on we came down to Cornwall and did oh the, cool the wedding that we wanted to have so uh, okay cool no, that's cool yeah so because we were a bit skin uh and because i didn't really know that much about wedding photography at that point the people that we knew who were like they were learning to do wedding photography at the same time as us so we knew them through like courses and things and then one of one of my good friends who's a music photographer um she she was kind of our main photographer maybe but we had like two or three people taking pictures 
Oh, that's at, cool. At the, at the wedding. So we got some really good pictures, but the kind of consistency that a good photographer that I would choose now would get, would, we didn't really get that from our wedding, unfortunately. Right, but, yeah. but, you know, no regrets. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so how did you go from the DJing to wedding photography then? I mean, were you doing music <laughs> photography before doing wedding photography as well? Or, I mean, how did it begin for you? Yeah, so when I was, when I was traveling a lot with the DJing, like, like I was going all over the world to places that I might never go back to. One of the ways that I decided I was going to kind of explore places, because I didn't want to just go in, go to the hotel, go to the gig and then fly out again. I wanted to actually see these places that I was visiting. Mm. So I tried to get at least another day to myself in the in whichever city I was in. And I just had this idea when I was on a plane one time looking through one of the in-flight magazines, they tend to have like a feature on a city and then there's like a whole write-up, but there's a load of pictures that kind of give you an idea of what that city's about. And I just thought, well, maybe I'll just go wherever I'm going. I'll try and take the kind of pictures that I'm seeing in these articles okay. that kind of give a flavor of the city to somebody maybe that hasn't been there. Yeah, that's cool. so that that became my little pet project because I've always loved photography more as to begin with more as a viewer I always collected photography books by some of my favorite photographers um but never really took it seriously as a hobby until that point and then that that became my little project to go out explore this and it gave me a reason to be wandering around the city on my own a lot of the time Mm. um i had my camera and i was kind of wandering around going down little back streets rather than staying in the main tourist spots and just looking for something that i thought captured something unique about the places that i was visiting so um it's it's i wouldn't really call it street photography it was it was more like like travel photography is probably the best best way of putting it it's like preemptive instagram shooting <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, if i'd had instagram by then i'd probably be an influencer by now <laughs> what was your one of your favorite cities to do that in uh well actually the first place that i did it i went um to shanghai in china and wow. that felt like a great place to start Apart from anything, that's where I actually bought my first DSLR. Yeah, I, got, cool. I, I pretty much got off the plane, went to a camera shop in China because I thought they'd be a bit cheaper there. Yeah, but um, it must have been. I can't remember if it actually was, but in my head it was. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I bought a Canon 300D, nice. um, which I think was called the Rebel in America. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then I was all ready to go around, walking around Shanghai, taking pictures and creating amazing art as you do and uh it pissed down with with rain for like the whole time <laughs> i was there nice <laughs> so i still did go out i still did go out a little bit but it didn't really start my little project in the way that i'd hoped so oh but I, i've been to i've been to some amazing places thanks to the dj and now thanks to the photography and uh i i could list them a lot of places in asia i love that's I admit the one thing I miss about traveling the most is is being in Asia. I always had a great time. Oh, cool. I've never been. I would love to go sometime. Mm. Let's go on to your, I think, time for your second music choice. Then what's your, what's your second song? Okay. Absolute classic. And also the best opening track of any album ever. <laughs> 
which is big words, aren't I? That is. is. Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. Uh, Okay, cool. Okay. And why have you chosen that? Guns N' Roses became a band that kind of changed changed my life in the late 80s. They've they've since become an absolute mess. And I I kind of lost, I fell out of love with them quite a long time ago. But at that time when that first album, even before that first album came out, I'd been to see them like at least twice. Um, and just just that track had such a, a unique feel to it that I hadn't heard in any of the things I've been listening to up until that point. Um, Guns N' Roses just felt like they still had that punk kind of edge at that at that time, but they was they had the classic rock edge taken from like Aerosmith influences and things like that. And I I just loved everything about that song and that entire album. And I used to have it on a Sony Walkman on a tape, obviously, and just <laughs> just listen to it on repeat, pretty much. Um, That's cool. And then, you've met you've met Axl Rose, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that year when that album came out, I think I saw them four times in that year. <laughs> and the first time, actually, I've met them twice because the first time we saw them, we went down to London, we saw them at the Marquee Club, which is a tiny club. Um, this is about a few months before Appetite for Destruction came out. And we got there in the afternoon and we met the band because we, we just went to the venue and the band were outside. And then we actually went record shopping with them. Wow. And we went we went to Tower Records in Piccadilly with Guns N' Roses. Wow, that's great. And every, everybody kind of disappeared into Tower Records to go and look for stuff. But Axel didn't seem that interested. And he just sat on the steps in, <laughs> in Tower Records. And the security asked him to move and he refused. And then he got thrown out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, you didn't have your camera then? <laughs> no. Well, actually, actually, yeah, I did have my camera because... Uh, obviously years later I got into music photography properly mm. but I do have some pictures take on a little camera I have no idea what it was of Guns N' Roses on stage in the marquee that is cool. and um, I have got some pictures of me with Guns N' Roses but they were taken later in in the year um, so yeah there you go and and then not long after that I'd, growing up I'd always wanted to go to LA like a lot of my favorite bands were from LA but I always saw and obviously the whole movie thing with LA and it was always like a place I dreamed of going and it was I think the next year after that that I went to LA for the first time um which is where Guns N' Roses are from Welcome to the Jungle is about people arriving in this kind of twisted city where everything goes on and um and as we were coming into land in LA for my first time there and I've been a lot since I made sure that I put Welcome to the Jungle on my headphones as we were flying in so it always reminds me of that time that's proper cool oh that's proper cool man awesome awesome cool thank you for your second one we'll we'll go back to some more in a bit that's awesome um yeah so then how did you go then then from how did you get your very first wedding then how did that happen so yeah like I say I was traveling traveling and taking pictures a lot um, with the DJing and then and then I met my wife and then she came to live in England so for me to keep jetting off around the world DJing felt a bit rude 
<laughs> yeah. And the photographer, the photographer. To be honest, I I kind of felt like I'd done everything I wanted to do to an extent with the DJing. Um, I'd had some amazing gigs. I got to release an album, which was kind of one of my uh, goals. And then cool. the photography just took all my focus for it around that time. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take this a bit more seriously. People were saying I was quite good at it. Um, yeah, they'd seen your pictures. Uh, yeah, <laughs> apparently, apparently they'd seen the good ones. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was still very much a beginner and still learning how to set my iso correctly and all that um i still don't know how to do that yeah so but the music photography came first and i did that for at least two or three years before anybody asked me to do a wedding and and it was actually somebody who used to come and see me dj who was getting married and had heard that i was getting into photography asked me to go and shoot their wedding um so uh well actually before that one of my friends was going to a wedding and it was somebody that i didn't know but i asked him could he ask them if i could maybe come along and take a few pictures just to, i wanted to kind of dip my toe in the water um and he asked them and they already had a wedding photographer of their own booked but they said it was okay if i came alone came along and kind of stayed out of his way which i was quite happy to do because i didn't really know what i was doing anyway um <laughs> So I did that, and then I just gave them the pictures. I didn't charge them or anything. Um, and they must then have liked I, them. Well, this is the thing, you see. This is what gave me a little bit of a boost of confidence to do wedding photography, is that I then met my friend again in town one day, and he, he just said, oh, th- they really love the pictures. They liked them more than their wedding photographers. Oh, wow, yeah, that's proper cool. So then I was like, oh, maybe this is something that I should look into. And at that point, I didn't know that much about wedding photography at all. And most of what I'd seen was pretty bad. But I did see a couple of people whose work made me realize that wedding photography maybe wasn't quite what I thought it was. One of those people was Jeff Askoff. Oh, yeah. And then at the other end of the scale completely, there was Jerry Guionis, who was doing more almost more like fashion photography mm-hmm. at weddings which like I'm not a big fan of that now at all but it made me realize that you could kind of do whatever you wanted to do at a wedding uh, okay, as, long yeah, as, as long as you could find the people that wanted the same thing that you wanted to do mm. um, and yeah things kind of developed from there cool and they developed very well as well was it um, was it like back in 2006 you shot your first wedding was it something like that well, the, the one that I did for free, I think, was in 2006. And the first one that I actually got paid for was 2007. Right, okay. But that's still a long time. So it's like 13, 14 years now then. Uh, mm-hmm. That's awesome. And you were the very first. It was your uh, workshop. It was my very, the very first workshop I ever went mm-hmm. on was your workshop, which was a, a massive, massive thing in my career. You know, massive. I learned so much from that. It was a, a two-day uh, one. Was it in London? When, when was that? that was years yeah. ago. Um, I don't even know what year it was. I actually, <laughs> I actually did three days because I did a one-day music photography workshop, and then did a two-day wedding photography workshop. Wow. So it was pretty intense, and that was my first ever workshop in London, and last, I think. <laughs> oh, was it? Oh, 
but it was so good and no, yeah. I, brought, I always tell people as well that it was such a, a great workshop and had a massive impact on my career man it was awesome and if you know yeah. if anyone listening go on a steve uh, steve jarrod workshop it, it was brilliant man it really was um yeah i mean I, I take full responsibility not only for your career but also for the entire this is a reportage website <laughs> which would which wouldn't i don't think any of that would happen if it wasn't for me so i think yeah. it's true though it's true but... <laughs> <laughs> no not not at all because what you've what you've done you kind of took a few nuggets from what i was talking about and then just ran in your own direction and completely made your own thing out of it and that's exactly what i think people should do that's cool isn't it that is i guess what you want people to do you don't want people to go to your workshop and just uh to be carbon copies of mm. saying and yeah but honestly i can honestly say that if i hadn't have gone to that workshop I, my career wouldn't have been like it is it was honestly really massive for me man it really was cool let's change well, tack slightly <laughs> let's check let's um yeah let's change tack what is a random fact about you that you think most people would be surprised to know mm. okay um the the random fact that i quite often drop in little facebook comments and things is that i have 11 fingernails what? Oh. <laughs> really <laughs> uh, where's the 11th yeah. I don't think many people would know that that about me at all. <laughs> it's probably not the answer you were expecting. Um, I'm glad this isn't video. This is uh, audio only. <laughs> so yeah, just quickly, I don't really want to go into too depth, too much depth about this answer. No, okay. But when I was a kid, my mum slammed the boot of the car and accidentally, not on purpose, caught my middle finger in the boot of the car and the nail of that finger basically went black and looked like it was about to drop off completely. But then a new nail started growing and who knew that was even a thing, right? Yeah. A new nail started growing in its place, but then the old one decided it wasn't dead after all and started growing back. So now on that finger, I have two nails, one on top of the other. Wow, that is, that's proper cool. <laughs> Does it, and I think that's helped a lot in my photography. <laughs> no. Okay, let, uh, let's let's move swiftly on from that one. I think. <laughs> um, but can I answer, answer? Let's answer it a different way. I think. Um, oh, I don't. I don't even know what the what my other answer would be. Something. That no, people, I think that's. I think that's good. About me. Yeah, I think uh, it's good, man. I think a lot of people would maybe be surprised that you're not a footballer. I guess that's one of them. <laughs> yeah, and if they'd ever seen me play football, then they would realise why I'm not a footballer. <laughs> okay, let's get let's go to your third music choice. Okay, so this is this is a song from an album that was released at the end of the eighties and remains in my top five albums of all time. And the, the album is Disintegration by The Cure, but specifically, it's a bit of a, a deep cut on the album. It's a song called Homesick. Okay. So there's a few kind of hit singles on there, but the album is one of those albums that you need to listen to in its entirety. But every time it gets to this track, Homesick, I'm just, I get goosebumps. And I quite like music, a lot of music that's got a sort of melancholy feel to it anyway, the kind of music you just want to, sit in the dark and kind of vibe out too mm. um and especially if you're not feeling 
the best. Sometimes, sometimes when you're not feeling great, you're listening to melancholy music. It it kind of makes you feel better in a weird way. Mm. I think. Yeah, I know what you mean by that. Yeah. And, and and this song, just the opening riff and the whole kind of feel of the song, is just the perfect song for that kind of melancholic vibe out moment. I just love it. There isn't much more I can say about it, but it's just a, a song that always gets me. So that's cool. And, that, and, and that, that, that's it's just an album that's stuck with me, and I don't think I'll ever get bored of. That's cool, cool man. You know, I think I've never li- really listened to the Cure at all. I should do. To be, it's weird actually because. They obviously have a lot of albums, and I don't really listen to any other album apart from that. I probably should go and delve into some of their other stuff a bit more, but I just, whenever I feel like listening to The Cure, I go, that's my go-to. Mm, that's cool. A very apt for the moment as well. We definitely need yeah. The Cure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Disintegration, fitting title. Oh, man, yeah. Oh, mental. Right, okay, so... um. A major thing in your life, I think I'm right in saying, must have been, you know, your business and life relocation from England to Canada. You know, um, how has that been? Was it was it scary? Was it? It must have been a massive decision at the time. You know, what was it like relocating your entire business? Yeah, so it was it was definitely scary because it's a little bit going into the unknown. The mm. fact that we were coming to Evelyn's hometown made it easier because we had contacts here already she knew the city she knew how things worked here um but i didn't know like how how i was going to be received how like i'd Mm. already built quite a good reputation as a photographer in the uk and and things were going well i was getting as many weddings as i wanted each year um so i was pretty much going from that to zero in, oh, yes. in in Montreal the only people that knew me as a photographer there was a few photographers here that did know my work already but that was that was it um so for the first couple of years that I was here I was back and forth to the UK all the time because all my weddings were there and there was no I wasn't getting any weddings here really for the first couple of years right yeah um so it took a while to sort of build things up over here and I I learned a lot about SEO partly from partly from you oh, a little uh, bit but, but yeah a, a little bit from you and um yeah I, I i feel like i'm a bit of an seo guru now That's and cool. hopefully if you google montreal wedding photographer you will find me on page one he nice. says with all <laughs> yeah. <the> things. <laughs> everyone um, now thinking on their home offices are like oh, <laughs> check it okay if everybody go if everybody does that googles it <laughs> please Go onto my website and spend some time there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because otherwise, Google will think, ah, that's that's not what people are looking for, and <laughs> it'll it'll actually go the other way. That anyway. is true. SEO gold from Steve Gerrard. That is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, the amount of time spent on the website, and also, if if you want to get really picky, the last web, the last uh, page on my website you should visit is the contacts page, because uh-huh. that's that tells Google that they liked what they saw up until that point so much that they actually decided to get in, in touch with you. Oh, cool stuff. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so are you doing more, oh, so you do more weddings now in Canada though than in England now? I'm hardly, uh, this is the thing you see, I, in my head, I was like, the perfect scenario would be if half of my weddings are in the UK and half of my weddings are here in Canada, 
then that's just going to be brilliant. I'm going I'm to get a really nice mix of weddings. I'm going to get to travel back to England quite often to stock up on tea bags, see my mom mm. and my friends and get some good fish and chips and <laughs> freddos, things like that, important stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually it's kind of swung a little bit too much the other way where most of my weddings are here and I'm only getting a couple of weddings a year in the, in the UK, which okay. I kind of I would like more, but, but it's fine. You know, I'm still, um, I'm still nicely busy, but there's not as many weddings in this part of the world as there is in the UK. You know, we are, you, you don't realize until you move to somewhere like this, how, how, how many weddings there are in the UK and how spoiled you are and how within a relatively small distance, you've got just thousands of weddings happening every weekend. Uh, maybe not at the moment, but <laughs> no. Um, well, is but, it a lot more spread out where you are then? It's a lot, it's a lot like the next nearest city to Montreal is Ottawa. That's two hours away. Uh, okay. So and there's, there's nothing in between apart from fields. <laughs> so we are we are very spread out. Also, it's in Quebec, especially where I am, a lot of people just don't get married. They just they, <laughs> They stay together, they have kids, they build a, a life together, but they don't actually get married, especially on the French-speaking side of uh, Quebec. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, which is obviously a bit disappointing. Yeah, but there's, uh, are there less wedding like, photographers, though, or is there just as many wedding photographers with less weddings? Or I don't, I don't think there's as many wedding photographers as there are in the UK, but there's still way too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maybe yeah. it could be a bit less after this. Mm, well yeah the strong will survive I guess but so yeah I mean it's it's still about trying to stand out from the crowd and and develop your own style and educate people to the kind of photography that I do which is is not as common over here there's there's quite a few more traditional wedding photographers here there's there's some amazing wedding photographers in amongst that but there's still quite a few that are quite a bit more traditional as in my eyes okay Cool. Okay, well, let's go. Let's go. That's time for your fourth music choice, I think. What is your fourth music choice, Steve? Okay, I could have picked almost any song by this band because they are and have been my favourite band since they came out, since they first started. So you probably already know who I'm going to I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> and that is uh, Pearl Jam. Yeah. Cool. Um, so to pick, I didn't want to pick anything too obvious, but I still wanted to pick a track that when i see them live and i've seen them live 19 times 19 wow i should have seen them 21 by now but two of their concerts got postponed because of the situation oh no man, man. um but the, the song given to fly is um is always a highlight when i see them in concert um oh, and cool. then part of the thing that i love about pearl jam not only their music and they kind of the whole ethos and their their views on the world and how proactive they are and how they help the community and they've got their own charity and they look after the fans all that stuff i love about bill jam but in concert you net every night is different I, I, once i saw them twice in manchester in two nights and both nights they played over three hours and they only repeated i think three songs on the wow. second night that they played that's the first that's so, quite a catalog that they've got there <laughs> Yeah, they have got a catalogue, but they actually go out of their way to do a brand new set list depend, each day, depending on, well, it's, it's Eddie Vedder, really, that does it 
depending on the mood of the day and how he's feeling at that time. And he, he tries to build a set, like, just from from the moment rather than just having a set a set list that they use for the entire tour, which some bands do. Right, okay. Yeah. But that it's a very uplifting song given to fly. Um it kind of starts a little bit mellow and and then just builds and builds and kind of soars, if you'll excuse the pun, yeah, given to fly, sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's good. Um yeah, but there you go. That's it. Pearl Jam. That's cool. <laughs> is that that that's like is it that one? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. So I don't know much Pearl Jam, but I bought that single back in the day, a long time ago. When I, yeah, so it's a great song. Cool. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, let's let's change sack again now. So um let's talk about specific more about weddings again. So in, in terms of marketing and getting yourself out there, what's been the most effective for you in terms of weddings? Um to begin with, when I was when I was back in England and just getting going somebody somebody mentioned to me like on one of my courses that I was doing um they they said you should bring some of what you do in your music photography and that included not just concerts but like band portraits and things like that they should you should bring some of that into your wedding work and back then I couldn't I couldn't see how those two things um related to each other at all and couldn't see what I could bring from music photography into weddings but then it kind of made me think well maybe I should just do make make try and make wedding pictures that I really like rather than trying to make wedding pictures that I think couples were like Mm. um so there was that element to it but then I also thought well I suppose if you're taking a picture of a groom with his groomsmen it's not that it's pretty much the same as taking a picture of a band with the lead singer at the front that's true, uh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, the boys, the boys don't. They just want to look cool, and that's what most bands want to look. They just want to look authentic, <laughs> yeah. authentic and cool. So, so I kind of slowly but surely started bringing some of that kind of um, a little bit of an edginess into my wedding photography, I guess. Mm. Um, and what I've grown to love over time. And especially since having kids, which was really much at the beginning of my photography career anyway, is is concentrating on um, relationships and families and the interactions between people, which is nothing to do with, with music photography, but trying to find a balance there somewhere between what you would call reportage or rep- I think you say reportage, don't you? <laughs> I do, yeah. But, but who knows how you say Yeah, there's, there's a big debate. You should have a big debate on that sometime. <laughs> I say reportage. Um, but the reportage side has always been a big part of what I do. But to begin with, it was virtually none of that that really caught people's attention. And sort of, I think the stuff that made people pay attention to me at the beginning was the portraits and some of the quirkier um couple portraits and things that I was doing which I I was I was just doing because because I loved that kind of different approach to wedding photography I took some of the stuff that I was seeing in music magazines when it came to like cool portraits of bands and um and thinking okay how could i not copy that but do something similar that 
that I love, but also would reflect the couple that I was photographing. Mm, um, that's, that's proper cool. And one of your images is, is pretty famous, I guess, with the, the cones on the head. Well, it's 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 famous and infamous. Yeah, I've been on a workshop where another photographer who shall remain nameless was uh, talking about that image, but not in a very nice way as well, exactly. man. Exactly. And I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, but the fact that somebody, another photographer on a workshop is using one of my photos. To, OK, it's to demonstrate how not to do it. But it's not. It's not. He's not saying that this is badly taken or, you know, this. Oh, no, no. It, it's it's my approach that he disagrees with. And that's completely fine. Mm-hmm, totally. And, um, and and he and I would never be friends in real life anyway. So I've got no. a problem with yeah. it. I don't but, think he'd be friends with many people in real life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm weirdly proud of the fact that somebody took that picture it, it had such an impact on them in a negative way that they couldn't get out of their mind enough that they were going to that they wanted yeah. to dance about it too i think that i think that shows time. you made it when that kind of thing happens it really is because it you know it's so competitive this market that you've created something you've created loads of things that stands out like that across time as well it's a major major deal yeah and it, it, i know it's not going to be for everybody and that's absolutely fine it's not it's not meant to be for everybody it's meant to be for my couples. My the couple who we're talking about with the traffic cones, they used it for their thank you cards, and that's, that's cool. and it's it, it's like a half page picture in their wedding album. Uh, yeah, that's proper cool, man. It's proper so that, cool. I love it. Yeah, so so they loved it. I loved it. Quite a few other people really liked it, and a lot of people hated it. And that's that's that just means that I'm not middle of the road and pleasing exactly. everyone everybody and i none of the music that i listen to let's go back to the music for a sec none of the music that i listen to would be loved by everybody and some of it is would probably be loved by less than one percent of people so i've got no problem with being diversive i don't do it deliberately i just do what i what i enjoy and what i think my couple's going to enjoy and like uh, yeah and i think that's absolutely brilliant honestly really is like you you just with weddings you don't want to appeal to every bride in the world you know you just want to shoot for the people that really get who you are and, and your clients obviously must do so exactly that's awesome. yeah that's awesome right which is a good segue because let's go on to your fifth music choice i think okay so we're gonna change tack quite a bit here because like i mentioned later in my life um i kind of discovered electronic music up until a certain point dance music for one of a better phrase was always what I was hearing on on radio one and it was all kind of like finally it's happened you know that <laughs> kind of, which you know that's a great song but yeah. it was it always felt a little bit kind of throwaway um to me and I, most of the music that I like I, I think has a bit more substance to it and um that's kind of why i'm always a bit more authenticity and then one of my friends who worked in the same club as i worked at in birmingham where we were playing the alternative music just said have a listen to this and he lent me this cd which was um the first ever renaissance mix cd which was mixed by sasha and digweed sasha and john digweed and 
I, just, I remember I was at home on my own. I was living on my own at the time, I think. And <laughs> you're, we're, uh, we're getting back to this um, listening to music in the dark thing. Okay. <laughs> I remember sitting on the floor in my living room, putting this album on, turning off all the lights, probably had a drink. Sound like an album <laughs> as well. Uh, and the first track on this CD was actually um, three different mixes of the same track all mixed together. So they kind of, the, the DJs kind of built the beginning of the mix up using three different versions of the same track. And that track was Song of Life by Leftfield. And everything changed in that moment for me. And I'm not, it's, it's no exaggeration to say that I wouldn't be where I am literally now sat on this bed in Montreal if it wasn't for that track, I don't uh, think. Really? In what, what way then? Because my view of what dance music was completely was turned on its head. I didn't realise dance music could be this kind of music that just that had so much depth and a, a bit of darkness to it. Like none of the dance music I'd listened to up until that point was in any way dark. It was all happy, happy, you know, okay, yeah. uh, prosecco on the dance floor kind of music. Mm. Um, and then this this album, and, and particularly this band, who I then went on to kind of discover more of their music, flipped that and made me fall in love with dance music. And within a year, I was I had my decks set up in my house i was learning to mix records together and just i went head first into this new kind of music and how to dj that kind of music um i started collecting the music obviously i started going to see the djs i started going to see bands like left field and underworld and people like that um and then my career as a DJ kind of took off and I got to travel the world. I got to meet my wife. I, because of my wife, I moved to Montreal and had kids. So, wow. yeah. That is, that is cool. That is cool. And, that one song. Yeah, and the thing is, that was, that was the first ever Renaissance CD. And there's a, there's a track on that CD called Age of Love, which is later on in the CD, in the CD which is a bit of a classic. And... Years later, after hearing that CD and getting into DJing and kind of making a bit of a money for myself with the DJing, I actually, me and my friend, made a remix of that track, Age of Love, which was on the first Renaissance CD. And our remix of that track ended up being the closing track on another Renaissance CD. Wow, man, that's mad. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah, that's mental. Wow. yeah, that's, I think that that song had to be in my list. <laughs> <laughs> that's proper cool. That's proper cool. Cool. Okay, we'll go on to some more of your music in a bit. Um, you mentioned at the beginning about you're a movie fan, and uh, I think a lot of people around the world have got a bit more time on their hands at the moment. Some of them, um, you know, in lockdown. So, what do you have any recommendations for? I don't know. Maybe I don't know about your all-time favorite films or some good films you've seen recently. You know. <sighs> yeah. I- I would struggle to think of my all-time favorite films. I've got loads mm. of films that I love, but there's not there's not many that I would sit down. The, the film that I watched more than any other is Heather's, <laughs> is what? which is 
Heathers with uh, Christian Slater and Winona Ryder. It's it's an old film. Okay, I, I haven't seen it for ages, but it might not stand the test of time. But <laughs> I I did recently see. Um, uh, oh God, was it? I've forgotten <laughs> the one that just won the Oscar. Oh um, yeah, I forgot that as well. <laughs> there are. What is that called? That's really bad. We've both forgotten it. I, I just had it in my head as well. About the people working for that family. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody listening will be like shouting out the name of the yeah. film. Oh my God. I just had it in my head and I've forgotten it. Anyway, uh, that one. <laughs> That's a really yeah. good example. <laughs> Everyone should watch that. <laughs> it's good though, isn't it? It's good. <laughs> Have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it on the flight to Vegas, actually, like um, two months ago. Yeah, it was really good. This is funny. We're talking about a movie that both of us love and can't remember. <laughs> oh, that's really bad. Well, anything, anything else you've seen recently? Yeah. Um, it's funny. This, like, this is the opposite end of the scale from that completely. I'm not a big fan of, like, um, usually if I watch a kid's movie, it's because we're trying to keep the kids from killing each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or just giving them a bit of a treat but have you seen coco oh yes i made my wife watch that just last week it's amazing it's so good mm. like it's an animated movie for anybody who doesn't doesn't know it disney pixar movie yeah it, it's beautiful to look at the whole theme of the story is something that i would completely relate to with the music and, and all that kind of stuff mm. i just think it's absolutely brilliant and somewhat overlooked for a Disney Pixar movie, maybe. Yeah, that's uh, true. And we actually watched it again this week, but the kids didn't watch it. Me and Evelyn watched it on our own. <laughs> it is beautiful, though. It's beautiful. It's oh, my wife was streaming. You know, it's 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 it hits you. Yeah, it's it is very emotional as well. Yeah, for sure. So so I do love that, and I always tell people that I love the Revenant. Oh um, yes, cool, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. And one of the things I would say about The Revenant is I think I could probably watch it with the sound off because it just looks like a beautiful photo, one after another, after another, after another. Mm. The cinematography in that movie is stunning. Yeah, so, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. cool. That's um, all I, good. I, I, hate, I hate musicals. I know you like musicals, don't you? I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I... I we tried watching La La Land. We tried watching Rocket Man. We made it in, not even 10 minutes into both because as soon as they break it out into song, me and Evelyn just kind of look at each other and go, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, La La Land's yeah. brilliant. Apart from, I don't like the ending, but I, well, I can understand the ending, but it's brilliant. Oh, no. You're missing yeah. out, man. You're missing um, out on your musicals. <laughs> people have told me that and I'm like, wait, maybe I need to give it more than 10 minutes and see <laughs> see if I get roped in. But but should. I love knows. Emma Stone. Emma Stone's awesome as well. Oh yeah, I, I love Emma Stone, and uh, like, I think Evelyn probably loves Ryan. So, <laughs> cool. Okay, let's 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 go on to your sixth music choice. What's your sixth music choice? Okay, this is um this is a little bit wedding related, um okay. because do, do you have like playlists or, or things that you? have specifically for when you're driving to or from a wedding i don't i should it sounds like a great idea no you do then i guess do you? i don't i don't necessarily oh. have playlists but i have certain albums and certain bands that completely get me in the mood okay. for the day i just find them uh they put me in a positive mood and a kind of 
go-getter kind of kind of moves. So this song is about by a band called The War on Drugs. Do you know them? I I know the name, but I've never listened to them to be honest. No. Okay. Um, and the song, although I love pretty much everything that they've ever done, the song is called Under the Pressure. Um, and it's just, it's their albums and it's particularly their song. They're just the best driving music. They're not the best driving music if you're stuck in traffic on the M5. <laughs> but if you're, for you especially, driving through in Cornwall, or for, for me, I've been places like driving through the, the Lake District and where you can properly drive and you have that sense of freedom and you've got the beautiful English countryside or wherever you are. This song and that whole album, well, and their last three albums especially, they're, they're just perfect soundtrack to to being out in the open and driving and exploring. But it also, it, it also just gets you in a frame of mind that I think uh, is good to be in when you're heading to photograph somebody's wedding. Yeah, that's cool. But, I should give it a go. Yeah, but you have to be. Yeah, you have to listen to it in the right circumstances. I think don't listen to it just like in the background while you. Well, it's probably quite good editor music actually. But okay. you know, make it. It wouldn't. I wouldn't want people to listen to it for the first time just in in the background while they're tidying the house or something like that. I, I feel if you listen to it when you're driving in a car or something like that then it it, it just works uh, they're okay they're, they're a brilliant band and um you know some a little bit under the radar even though they are getting getting a lot bigger now okay i would check it out it's funny you mentioned there about listening to whilst editing as well for the i think for my first three years of editing i i, I was always no music no youtube on or anything you know just totally in the silence i don't know why yeah. it's kind of yeah it's weird isn't it i do listen to music now do you always listen to music whilst editing I yeah I always I always listen to music occasionally I do listen to podcasts there's this oh, yeah. um podcast this is reportage have you heard that, of that that's quite a good one I think it's all right yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's 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 pretty good but there's a it was until the latest episode and then that went down <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about Dave <laughs> <laughs> no that's funny yeah what are the um what are the podcasts you like um I like the Zach Shepard one the armchair expert oh, okay. that's 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 good funny um no such thing as a fish do you know that no i don't know uh bit of a weird title but <laughs> it's it's basically the people behind the tv show qi oh, okay cool where they 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 discover random facts and then they just talk about that and it's quite often in front of a live audience mm. um so you're it's quite funny and entertaining but you also learn stuff that you can then amaze people within conversations <laughs> That's always good. Like what? Like what, Steve? Oh God, on the spot. <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> okay, this is this is my favorite fact actually that I blow. Some people know it, but a lot of people don't. Okay. There's and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you if you can get it, which you probably won't unless you've heard it before. Okay. There's there's only one ten letter word that you can type using the top row and only the top row of a typewriter. And uh, do you know what that word is? No, I'm looking at my keyboard now. Uh, QWERTY UIP? No, I don't no. know. <laughs> what is it? The word is typewriter. No. T-Y-P. Ah, clever. Yeah, it's clever. 
<laughs> um, that's funny. T- and talk about editing. Have you ever tried outsourcing your editing at all? Just, I so outsource it. everything. I oh, do. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. I ha- you must. That must work well for you then. Well, I say everything. I for years I've used all kinds of different um, editing companies, trying to get find a company that's consistent and get kind of gets my style. But what I want a, uh, an editing company to do is to just do all the basic corrections. So exposure, um, color correction, and and just that stuff and kind of give it, they usually use my preset. So they come back with, some of them come back looking finished. And some of them, I just need to do a little bit of, sprinkle a bit of magic dust on them with yeah. things like gradients and dodging and burning maybe a bit of cropping occasionally um and you know getting rid of people's zits that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but the creative part of the editing i still really like i still really enjoy that i just don't i can't be bothered with the the other stuff Uh, so i I get get that so i i've i've always had well not always but recently i've been using companies that can do all that stuff which I usually send it to them within a, few, a couple of days of the wedding. So uh, uh, by a week after the wedding, it's half edited and by, not, cool. by, not by me. So it's a good starting point. And then I get to just kind of do the finishing, the finishing touches on all the, all the images. Yeah, that so, sounds good. And then you found them consistent. Who do you use at the moment? Then? So are you, I'm not sure if I should tell everybody. Oh, okay. No, you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm happy to share really. It's, it's a company called Udio. And some, I'm sure some people will know them. Okay. So it's it's double O D I O, yeah, something like that. Um, and to be honest, they they've been brilliant. They've been the most consistent out of anybody that I've ever used. They're they're pretty affordable. I think they're a lot cheaper than certain other people we could mention, right. and they're fast. Some there was I think I had one where that was back within 24 hours. Wow, that's well good. Did you, did you only take you, ten photos of that wedding? Or <laughs> no, but it's usually it's usually no more than five days, I think, before that's I get really back, back from them, which is great. And um, the consistency is good. The consistency is really good, and if you have got a problem, if it's not quite how you wanted it, if you go back to them, they'll change you within twenty four hours, at no no charge, and they 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 are reasonably reasonably priced, and they also set up a little WhatsApp chat group where you can just kind of send them messages very quickly and they get back to you really quick uh, if you need cool. them to so that's good mm, so yeah good stuff cool good yeah. tip okay nice but don't uh, too many people go and use them because maybe <laughs> slow down your, your everything's going to slow down <laughs> okay let's go to your penultimate music choice so i think your seventh music choice yeah okay so um if anybody knows me or if, if anybody's friends with me on Facebook, they might have mentioned, heard me mention um, a singer called Kathleen Edwards, um, who is is very unknown on a sort of global scale. Okay. She's from Canada, coincidentally, but I, I, I was aware of her back in 2008. I think I first discovered her. Oh, well, a long time. And, yeah, and I've been a, a huge fan of hers ever since um love everything that she that she put out for a while i actually kind of got to know her a little bit because i'd interviewed her for a blog 
I'd photographed her a few times. She actually used one of my photographs that I took of her backstage as her promotional shot for a couple of years, actually. Yeah, cool. Um, and I, I just love her music, and I think she's she's one of those under-the-radar kind of um, artists that a lot of people would love but have never heard of. It, she's kind of Americana, which she's it's you know a lot of acoustic guitar singer songwriter kind of stuff but she can rock out but she can also be like super super mellow and um i love her lyrics and this song is a song called asking for flowers which is kind of a mid midpoint for her it's not like too mellow but it's it is quite mellow and it came from when she was on tour and she met she got talking to a woman who had just got divorced and she described the relationship as um, constantly asking for flowers. That <laughs> okay. um, she was never really get being shown. It, it means that she was never really being shown the the respect or the love right. that she that she was looking for during during their their marriage. Okay. And then and she and then Kathleen look, took that as a title and and made this song, which is you know. Is brilliant. I I have had people in my car. Um, she's got this song called Alicia Ross, which is it's a really sad song. I won't go into the details, but I've had people in my car when I played that uh, who have been in tears. Really, wow! Into that song, yeah. Powerful. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that kind of music is you know anything that can get you that much always tends to have an effect on me, but. She's great, and then and she decided that she wanted to settle down a little bit and and try and get um, a, a, an ongoing relationship rather than having fleeting relationships, which people tend to do when they're touring the world. So she gave up music and she opened a coffee shop in Ottawa, oh, right, um, yeah. which was called Quitters because she quit the music business. Yeah, cool, and she, and she did that for years and happily. She has now got into, back into music and she's got a new album coming out this year. Oh, that's so, cool. Cool so story as well. Yeah, she hasn't, she hasn't um, released anything for a while. A, a lot of people listening to this, this podcast will know Bonnie Vare. Oh, yeah. Um, and she actually toured with Bonnie Vare, opening for Bonnie Vare, because she was Justin from Bonnie Vare's girlfriend for a while. Ah. Uh, and he produced um, her last album. Oh right, okay. Wow, cool. Okay, I've yeah, never no. listened, so I'll have to check it check her out. Cool, man. That's cool. Lots of facts. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> Which leads me on to a question, actually, because you've Go met on. you've met like a whole host of famous people, musicians, including like Taylor Swift, Eddie Vedder, Liam Gallagher, and loads more. Um, who's been the most interesting, or any particular interesting stories? Hmm. Um, Big disappointment. Anything? Share the goss. Do you know what? I've I've have never really had. People say don't meet your heroes, but I've mm. never really had that experience of meeting somebody and them being an arsehole. That's cool. A, yeah. a lot of people would expect me to say that about Liam Gallagher, but I've met Liam Gallagher twice, um, and he's been he's been great both times. But just yeah, cool. really lovely and genuine, and would go out of his way to to chat with people and and stuff. Um, I also DJed with Oasis at Wembley back in. 2000 really did you wow did you not know that no that's mental (laughs) yeah when they they um they played Wembley Stadium 
um, July 21st, 2000. And um, I was the I was their DJ. So I played in between all the bands on yeah. stage to 93,000 people. Yeah, and I played the after party um, as well. And no that's, that's they've actually they released that gig as a DVD called Familiar to Millions. Um, which is pretty cool because I've got that actual DVD downstairs. They sent me a signed cover after the after the gig to, to say thank you. Oh, man. You've um, still got it. you still got that, have you? Yeah, I've got it. It's in a frame. <laughs> That's so cool. Do you miss that kind of time in your life at all? I, I do, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I had some amazing times doing that. I'm not sure that it would have carried on if I'd stuck with the DJing. Or maybe I would be, you know, selling out stadiums like yeah calvin harris or something now but Just, everything um, happens for a reason though doesn't it everything happens for a reason everything happens for a reason and here we are <laughs> yeah. you might you, you would have much preferred doing this podcast with me than being like you know millionaire and living somewhere. <laughs> that's true always look on the right side of life <laughs> let's go let's go to your final music choice then steve jard what's your final music choice Okay, I'm going to be a bit indulgent because I'm going to pick one a track that we made. Oh, cool, uh, nice. Which actually, Dave Scholes, who did your uh, previous podcast, he mentioned it as being his favourite song that we'd done, and that he got he'd managed to get a copy of it. So the track is called Bliss, B L I S S, and it's by a band called Syntax. But we did a, a remix, which was quite different from the original. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like a breakbeat track that sort of it, it builds and builds and it's got this amazing vocal on. It's obviously not my vocal because we just did the remix of the track. I, okay. I've never <laughs> sang I've never sang one of our, <laughs> our songs. Opportunity um, bits. <laughs> but it, it's a brilliant like male vocal. Um and it actually never got released officially. So I even now I get people messaging me saying, where can we get a copy of this track? Where can we get it? And it is on YouTube. So you will be able to embed it. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, it takes a while to get going. I should kind of don't judge it by the first two minutes because it was made for, it was made for DJs. Okay. So we always kind of start it off fairly minimal so they can mix the last record into this record. Um, but it's, it's my favorite thing that we ever, we ever made as far as, uh, producers we used to produce under the name rectangle which is two words rect angle oh uh, okay oh, clever <laughs> and um the day that we finished this track in the studio i sent it to one of my friends who's is quite a well-known dj now called james avila um we used to play together a lot and i sent it to him and he included it in his essential mix for radio one which i think a lot that's where a lot of people know it from even now they heard it on that on that mix and um Uh, yeah so um it's something i'm really proud of as a producer we didn't produce tons tons and tons of music but i i still love that's one of the ones i still love to this day proper cool that's proper cool cool so as well as those eight pieces of music you can also have a luxury item where if you're marooned somewhere like a desert island what would be your luxury item see this i've never really understood this luxury item for a desert island because most luxury items i would pick would need electric 
<laughs> yeah. electricity. And if you're on a desert island, you probably haven't got electricity, right? Probably. So, probably. so I'm going to take a little bit of an artistic license. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm going to say my iPhone, which may sound like an obvious choice. And it's not because I want to phone the lifeguard to come and get me. <laughs> it's not okay. because I want, to, I want to even have internet. It's because that, when I'm not in the house, that is how I listen to music. It's on my uh, yeah. on my on my iphone and i have got things downloaded to, to my iphone so i wouldn't need the internet but i can't imagine not having music for any length of time and not going a little bit insane mm. i think i think i'd quite be i'd be quite happy on a desert island for a while I like <laughs> with being, those eight I like, songs i like being near the water and in the water um and yeah if i have my music as, music as well and i could go and find something to eat i think i'll be all right for a while <laughs> you'll be all right. <laughs> it's so, so cool that's cool you can the have ultimate, that the ultimate self-isolating yes that is so yeah. true that's definitely true not, never, <laughs> definitely not going to catch any viruses or anything so <laughs> and you're you're also allowed one book as well what would be your book okay and i have to make a bit of a confession i'm not a big book reader mm. partly because if i had time to to read a book i'd probably use that time to watch a movie or just listen to music yeah um i'm i don't think i've ever been a very quick reader either so it takes me forever to read a book um so this is the book that i've chosen it's not a book that i've read yet it's by a guy called edwin monk and the book is called how to build wooden boats (laughs) genius yeah that's the book I would want if I was stuck on a desert island. <laughs> oh, that's genius. That's so good. That's so good. Um, <laughs> and if, um, if like, all of your eight pieces of music were in danger of being lost to sea and you could only save one, which one would you save? Oh, my God. Alan? It was hard <laughs> to get that bait. Um, I, I'd be so sad to lose all that music that probably homesick by the cure would be would fit my mood that sounds a good choice that's cool cool man dude honestly that oh man i don't have time for anything else and that went so quick i can't believe that's been like the <laughs> longest interview this <laughs> just went so quickly though oh, i don't man, even I... know how long it was oh it's over an hour wow. yeah it's like an hour and 10 so far or whatnot and um yeah that's all but that's awesome man. it just felt like it was about 20 minutes you're very easy to talk to alan oh you are we, man we, we've had some good conversations in our time we like have, whenever, we? whenever I uh, have a wedding in Cornwall, which doesn't happen very often anymore, but I always make sure make sure that I try and catch up with you a few times. Oh, yeah, sure and it's lovely. I love seeing you, man. It's been ages, though, now, isn't it? I want to come to Canada. Yeah. I've never been, never been. Well, it's definitely your turn to come and see me. So, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true. And I highly recommend for anybody who's who's never been to Montreal, who maybe doesn't even know about Montreal that much, I highly recommend it. It's such a cool city. There's so many things going on um if you if you don't like the cold that much then come in the summer because summer's brilliant here there's there's tons to do does it get and, proper hot as well or? yeah it, get, it gets it gets into the 30s easily oh, in the wow, summer yeah. um and there's think there's always things happening we have the biggest comedy festival i think in the world well we normally do not this year mm-hmm. um the biggest jazz festival we have loads of music festivals food festivals um street art festivals there's just t- there's tons of stuff and it, yeah it's a really really cool city and uh, anybody who listens to this well this podcast is welcome to crash at my house 
Oh, that's cool, man. That's really nice. Oh, I'd love to come. I'd love to come over and see you there. That'd be awesome. One day it will do. When, yeah, when don't, don't, don't say one day if you don't mean it. <laughs> I do mean it. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have had how many? I've had one, two, at least three couples whose weddings I've shot who are from England have come to stay with us. Like actually yeah. stay here at the house. That's proper cool. That's which cool. is which is excellent. That's at so least that, three weddings you shot that they liked the photos then. At least three, yeah. I think <laughs> I, I think I'm I'm almost down to double figures now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude! Honestly, oh, that was so good. Thank you, man. Thank you for sharing, and that was that was just awesome. It's so great to talk to you. And my pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed a lot of the podcasts that you've. Uh, I haven't listened to all of them yet, but the ones that I've listened to have always been really great. So um, I look forward to checking out the rest and. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor to have you. And I hopefully I'll see you soon, man. Yeah, fingers crossed. Cheers, Bye, man. dude. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the 25th episode of the This Is Reportage podcast. Steve is always so great to chat to. Hope you enjoyed listening. Head to thisisreportage.com to see lots of examples of Steve's work, links to his website, and a full transcript too. We also have lots more episodes of the podcast already released with photographers such as Frank Boutonnet, Ross Harvey, Sitlali Rico, Sana de Bloch, Rocio Vega, Fabio Marula, and many more. If you have a spare moment to leave us a review on your podcast service of choice, that would be massively appreciated. It's lovely to know that you're enjoying them. And if you're not yet a member of TIR, check out all the benefits of joining us, including an unlimited number of images on your profile, 60 reportage award and 18 story award entries per year, invites to our physical meetups and parties, exclusive discounts and more. Collection 15 of our awards is now open for entries. Deadline for submission is 2359 BST on 24th of May 2020. No poses, nothing staged. This is reportage. And this is bye for now. 